Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. In alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'khfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati amalina. May yahdillah falamudillalah wa may yudlil falahadilah. Wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharikalah. Wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh wa ba'd. Fa inna khairu hadithi kitabullah. وخير هذه حادي محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم والشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار. Today's talk, well today's talk will be given by Sheikh Wajdi Al Ghazawi, esteemed Imam from King Fahd Masjid in Mecca. The talk will be on, well the title of the talk is Success Lies in Our Good Character. Ways and means to attain good character and the handling of the causes and the cures of weakening faith. Inshallah, I will hand you over to the Shaykh now. Jazakumullah khair. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu wa nasta'hdihu. ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وإمامنا وقدوتنا محمدا عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه من خلقه وخليله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الكلام كلام الله تبارك وتعالى وخير الهدى هدى نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار ثم أما بعد إن شاء الله brothers and sisters we're going to explore the topic of this lecture success lies in our good character ways and means to attain good character this topic is very important and to realize the importance of this topic, we just need to listen to this narration, this authentic narration, in which the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear that one of, his, one of the most important missions that he had to carry out and convey to the people, to his ummah, was, as he said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ صَالِحَ الْأَخْلَاقِ وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ Indeed, I was sent so I would utammim, complete or perfect the good manners or the good character. 
So the Prophet ﷺ is telling us that he was sent beside calling, of course, the people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was sent also to complete and perfect the good manners. What does it mean to complete and perfect good manners? Well, the Arabs that he was sent to or the people of his time, they had some good morals and good character. And they had good characteristics as people. They used to be generous. They used to help sometimes the needy. They used to take care of the hujjaj and uh, uh, treat them and host them. But they used to do that not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They used to compete in generosity so they would be known for it. They used to, you know, they, for instance, they know that... Uh, such and such is the most generous amongst the Arab, etc. So the mission of the Prophet ﷺ was to yutammim those good manners, meaning to make it perfect and complete by encouraging the people to keep doing it, but for the sake of Allah this time. Instead of doing it, to be known for it, Instead of doing it to compete with, uh, with others, no, you do it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we find sometimes in most of the narrations that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam relates good manners with the belief in the hereafter and the day of judgment. مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَهُ They used to be generous, the Arabs. But they would do it, as I said, to be known for it. So now the Prophet ﷺ, how did he complete and how did he perfect the good manners? He said, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ He who believes in Allah and in the hereafter, let him be generous to his guest. Let him honor his guest. So here, if you really believe in Allah and the hereafter, then do it because you will be ex you expect to, to be rewarded for it on the day of judgment. So that's how he perfected and completed the good manners. إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ صَالِحَ الْأَخْلَاقِ Another narration. And it is very important, brothers and sisters, to realize that some people who are very religious, they lack good character. And there is... <coughs> being religious doesn't necessarily mean that you have good character. We have to develop the good characteristics of a Muslim. And the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear... In one, of, in one of the narrations that all of us know very well, إِذَا جَاءَكُمْ مَنْ تَرْضَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُلُقَهُ فَزَوِّجُوهُ If he whose characteristics, if he whose character, manners, and deen are pleasing to you, approaches you for marriage, then you should not turn him down. You should accept him. Give him your daughter, or give him your sister. 
So the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear that we have to be satisfied and we have to be pleased with two things. The character of the man and then his religion. Or his religion and his character as well. One of them is not enough. If someone is very polite and he's known for his, for his good morals and good characteristics, but he is irreligious, we should not give him our daughters or our sisters. And if the, you know, the other way also, that is not enough. He must be religious and of good character. And the Prophet ﷺ, as you all know, when Fatima came to him, not his daughter, asking him about his opinion, she said, O Messenger of Allah, inna abal jaham wa mu'awiyah, two companions, Ask me for marriage, khatabani. So what is your recommendation? What is your recommendation? Now the religion of these two companions is behind questioning, definitely. We can't, you know, we cannot uh, question the, 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 you know, whether they were religious or not. They were companions and that's enough. You know, companions of the Messenger of Allah However, the Prophet ﷺ was not happy with one of the characteristics of one of them. He said, the first one is poor. So he made it very clear, if you want to go for that, marry a poor husband, marry a poor man, then he is poor. You have to be aware of that. But the second one, Abu al-Jaham la asa an atiqihi. He does not put his stick off his shoulder, meaning he beats women. And, and this is, you know, that, that expression the Prophet ﷺ used as if his stick is always over his shoulder. He never puts it down, meaning he always beats, beats women. So the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear that even though he was a companion, but he had that shortcoming. He's a man who beats women. So he made it very clear for her and he recommended a third man. He said, why don't you marry such and such? And he named another companion. So the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear here, brothers and sisters, that religion is not enough. To be religious, that's fine. That's required. And we must all seek religious sisters, and sisters look for religious brothers. That is very important, mandatory. You know, like the Prophet ﷺ, mentioned that those who win a religious sister or go for a religious sister, they have really won. And it's one of the, uh, the pleasures of this life is to have a religious partner. However, character, good manners are very important as well, just like the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear. So, now, you know, we, most of us now, I hope, inshallah, all of us have realized the importance of, you know, good character and good manners and that we have to develop them they're very important Allah, the prophet sallallahu said in an authentic narration that indeed the man would reach by his good character, his good manners, the status of the sa'im, la yuftir, 
always fasting for the sake of Allah. And the qa'im, the one who stands at night in prayer. Can you imagine what kind of reward this man is receiving? He fasts for the sake of Allah and he stays up at night praying. Praising Allah, standing in prayer all night. A man with his good character will reach the same status, will be rewarded just like the one who is fasting and the one who is praying at night. And this, you know, the scholar said, because the one who is fasting really, and the one who is praying at night, he's the only one who is benefiting from this kind of worship. He's the only one who is benefiting from this form of worship. However, the one with good character, he's, he's benefiting all mankind. Everyone is happy because everyone is being treated in the best way because of this man's good character. So his good reaches others, while the good of the first man is just for his own soul. That's why he will, be, he will reach the status of those who fast and stay all night in prayer. And this is of course very important brothers and sisters. And I advise myself and advise all of you to struggle and work hard to develop good character. And inshallah we all looking for the ways and means. How can we develop this kind of character? How can we uh, have these good morals and, and uh, good akhlaq? There are only three major ways, to the best of my knowledge and understanding. Three major ways. If we realize ways that we have to realize them first and then implement them. The first way to attain good character is to realize that good character is part of Iman. It is not something that you do on the side, it is not something nafil you do. No, this is part of Iman. The Prophet ﷺ said in the narration that all of you must know, Al-Imanu bid'un wa sittuna sha'ba. A'laha qawlu la ilaha illallah. Wa adnaha imatatu al-adha an al-tariq. Wal-hayau sha'batun min al-Iman. Iman consists of 60 some sha'ba, categories, sections. The highest of them, the most important one of them is to say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. The lowest one of them is to remove harmful things from the way of people. Walhaya'u shu'batun min al-iman. And haya, the khuluq of haya, is one of the sections or one of the categories of iman. So, the first step for us to take toward developing good character is to realize that developing good character, having good character and good manners is part of iman. It is not something minor. This is part of iman. I'm coming now. I'm coming to now what is haya? What does haya mean? I believe personally, to the best of my knowledge of both languages, that there is no word in English for haya. Modesty doesn't mean haya. Neither does um, shyness. They use it sometimes. 
There is no word for haya. Haya is the characteristic that would keep you away from committing shameful deeds. This is haya. It is something that you develop. This is, as a matter of fact, the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear. He said, إِنَّ لِكُلِّ دِينٍ that every religion has focused on one of has focused on a specific characteristic. And the characteristic of Islam, the khuluq of Islam is haya. It doesn't mean that the previous or previous messengers of Allah never focused on this, but it means that every messenger of Allah had to focus on a specific characteristic according to the uh, environment and the problems of his people. The Prophet ﷺ said, وَإِنَّ خُلُقَ الْإِسْلَامِ Indeed, the khuluq, the character of Islam is haya. And haya, as I mentioned, is the ability or the characteristic that would help you to stay away or that restrains you from committing evil or shameful deeds. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا لَمْ تَسْتَحِي فَاصْنَعْ مَا If you do not have haya, then you may do whatever you want. Meaning there's nothing that would stop you from committing shameful deeds and evil deeds if you do not have haya. This is the only thing after the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that would stop you from committing shameful deeds. So this is haya. The first step that we must take toward developing good character and good manners is to realize that haya or akhlaq in general is part of our iman. It is not something minor. It is not something that we uh, should not give that attention. It is part of iman. Which is one of the characteristics of a good Muslim is min al-iman, part of iman as the Prophet wasallam mentioned. The second way that would help us to develop good character is to realize that it is mandatory on us to resemble the Prophet ﷺ in his character, in his manners, just like we have to resemble him in worship. Just like you pray like the Prophet ﷺ used to pray, and make hajj just like the Prophet ﷺ made hajj, and you do all forms of worship, in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, so is the case with our manners and character. If we realize that, then that definitely would help us. This is a very important way for us to develop the good characteristics of Muslims and to uh, try to attain those good characters. Brothers, it is very important to realize that the Prophet ﷺ, as Ummuna Aisha, the mother of the believers, radiallahu anha, mentioned in one of the narrations collected by Bukhari and others, when she was asked about the character of the Prophet ﷺ, what did she say? كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ Meaning, his character was Qur'an. In other words, that anything you find in the Qur'an that Allah encourages His servants to do, or prohibits his servants from doing, you will find 
the Prophet ﷺ to be the first one who adheres to those instructions in the Qur'an. If he says, Allah, do not backbite, he would never ever backbite the Messenger ﷺ. If he says, be good, uh, uh, help the needy, help the, you know, the poor, do this or that, encouraging you to do any good, or prohibits you, discourages you, from committing certain evil or shameful deeds, the Prophet ﷺ will be the first one to do that. So, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ Some people say sometimes, he was a walking Qur'an. What do you think? Is this a, a correct statement? No? We mean that he, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, would obey and adhere to every single command and every single adab in the Qur'an, definitely. But my question is, we hear sometimes, it's, you know, even back home, everywhere they say, sometimes maybe people who are the rank of scholars, they say, kana Qur'anan yamshi. Is this, a, I mean, a sound statement? Can we say that? No, why? Yeah, you know, um, at least, at least I would say we should be cautious and not use this word. At least, because Quran, you know, as you all know and believe, is the words of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, you see, just walking Quran, they might say, yeah, in Arabic language, etc. They will find ways out, but to be on the safe side, do not use this word. And we have to think sometimes, you know, about uh, things that we are just used to use and say, and they are incorrect. I'll give you one example, and this is, uh, allow me just to digress for two, three minutes, because it's very important, and we'll get back to the subject. And uh, there, is, there is a reason for me to digress, you know, we said that some people say he was a walking Qur'an, this statement, to my knowledge, is incorrect. We should not use it. Okay? It's enough to say, just like Aisha, she did not say he was a walking Qur'an. She said, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ Because, you know, in Qur'an there are many things. Even kufr was mentioned in the Qur'an. Alright? So if you say that the whole Qur'an, like as if he was walking with the whole Qur'an in him, like Qur'an had mentioned kufr, narrated kufr. You know, when the, you know, the Christians said, you know, وَقَالُوا اتَّخَذَ اللَّهُ وَلَدَهُ So is that part, part of the Qur'an? So is it walking as well with the Prophet ﷺ? Does he ever say that? No. So we have to be careful. Just not repeat, you know, everything we hear and everything we uh, just read and, you know, memorize it and repeat it. We have to verify our information. We have to think about whatever we hear. I'll give you another example of uh, a statement that is widely used and commonly used even by, you know, scholars, which is the translation of dhikrullah. And dhikrullah, what, how, would, how would you say it in English, dhikr? Remembrance of Allah, right? You see, remembrance of Allah, if I ask you to translate the verb remember, any Arab brother here? Remember. What does it mean in Arabic? <laughs> La, in Arabic, in Arabic. Yetadakkar, <laughs> ahsant. 
Okay, remember, يتذكر تذكر يتذكر تذكرا دقيقة واحدة يعني remember to remember something is تذكر يتذكر تذكرا while here ذكر ذكر الله is from the verb اذكروني اذكركم mention my name I will mention yours وَإِذَا ذَكَرَنِي فِي مَلَئٍ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي مَلَئٍ خَيْرًا مِنْهُمْ If he mentions my name in a company, in a good company, I will mention his name in a better company, which is the company of the angels. So here, the verb that was used in the Qur'an, اذكروني أذكركم, and that was used in the hadith is to mention my name. So the proper translation for this is the mentioning of Allah's name. It might sound, sound awkward in the beginning, but that's what it means. The mentioning of Allah's name. If you want to say the remembrance of Allah, then you know it entails that maybe we forgot Allah. You will be in the salah, knowing that you're in front of Allah, you know, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you make dhikr when you adhkar al-ruku' wa sujood you're not forgetting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not forgetting about Allah, you are mentioning Allah's names and attributes. So this is just one example of things that we just repeat and they really are incorrect and they do not convey the meaning. And I verified this information with one of the most knowledgeable people in the entire world in the Arabic language, a scholar from Morocco. I discussed this with him and I asked him over the phone and he uh, assured me that definitely remember doesn't mean or remembrance does not mean dhikr when I translate it to him and that we should use the word, the mentioning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to observe this, brothers. And there are many, many words in, in English, inshallah. Whenever we come uh, through a word, I'll just mention it uh, for your fa'idah and for your benefit. So do not say he was walking Qur'an. Just say, kana khuluquhu al-Qur'an. Just like Aisha radiallahu anha used to say that his khuluq, his character was Qur'an. So we were talking about the second way that would help us to attain and maintain good character is to believe and realize that we have to resemble the Prophet ﷺ in his character just like we have to resemble him in worship. One of the very distinguished characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ was Hilm. Hilm again... It's very difficult to translate. Al-Halim is the forbearing. That might bring, you know, bring the meaning, make it closer to you. Uh, the forbearing, or Hilm is the forbearance. So the Prophet ﷺ, one of his characteristics, even mentioned in the Old Testament, is that, لا يزيده جهل الجاهل إلا حلم. Hilm first is the ability to control your anger when it's time for you to be upset. That's hell. It's not just to hold your anger for anything stupid. No. When, it's, when there is a reason for you to become very upset, and you have the ability to control your anger, and do not become upset, that's hell. That is the meaning of hell. So it was mentioned in the Old Testament, 
that one of the characteristics of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu is that the ignorance of the ignorant will not affect the Prophet sallallahu except that he will be more halim. He will be increased in help if he is to deal with an ignorant person. That one of his characteristics in the Old Testament. So one of the scholars of the Jews, Zayd ibn Su'na, radiallahu anhu, later embraced Islam. He wanted to test this characteristic in the uh, Prophet sallallahu and find out if he really uh, has this characteristic, as it was mentioned, was a way for him to verify the honesty of the Prophet sallallahu and he was the messenger that was mentioned in the Torah. So, one day the Prophet ﷺ needed to borrow some money for some of the tribes who entered Islam. So Zayd ibn Su'na, who was a Jew, offered to lend the Prophet ﷺ some money. So the Prophet took the loan from that Jew. And they agreed that the Prophet ﷺ would pay the loan on such and such date. Before the debt was due, the man came to the messenger, وسلم, and he was coming out of the, of the masjid, surrounded by the most powerful men Allah ever created. <coughs> so Zayd ibn Sa'na was very intelligent. He wanted to test the Prophet وسلم, and see, <coughs> is it really just like Allah described him? <coughs> that if someone deals with the messenger of Allah with ignorance and impoliteness, that that would really make him real halim and control himself and did not react in a very similar way to the ignorant person. So he wanted to test this. So this is what happens. He went to the Prophet and he grabbed him in front of the companions. And he said, where is my money? He said, I know you and your family and your grandfathers. That's how they used to do it. Take people's money and never give it back. This is the habit of you and your grandfather. And you know, the Arabs, you know, in, in, in the Arab culture, if you mention the man's father or mother, you're looking for... Yani, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you want to get killed. That's what it means. If you mention somebody's father or mother, you know. So the grandfather is like worse. So, and he insulted the whole tribe of Quraysh, really. And, you know, he was trying to make everyone very upset. Just wants to see if Allah said in the, in the Old Testament that he will become now, when it's time now to chop his head off immediately, kill him, and he's surrounded by, you know, armed sahaba, all of them, including Umar was there as well. <laughs> so, it showed us the adab now of the companions. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تُقَدِّمُوا بَيْنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ None of them did dare to stop him because they always will be waiting for orders from the Prophet. They can't do anything without his permission. So Zayd ibn Su'na said in the narration, 
And this is a very authentic narration. He said, I was watching Umar when he was grabbing the Prophet. He was scared from of Umar radiallahu an. And Umar was the first one who spoke. And he said, Ya Aduwallah, Atafalu Hada bi Rasulillahi Sallallahu wa ana anzur. Do you do this to the Prophet in my presence? But he didn't he couldn't do anything. Now all these talk is going on and he's grabbing the Prophet. So now when the Prophet heard Umar saying this, now he's upset with Umar, not with the Jew. He said the Prophet Ya Umar Kuntu ana wahua ahwaju. Kuntu ana wahua. Myself and the Jew, we were really, we needed something better than that threat. You should have ordered him to ask for his loan in politeness, in a very polite way, and you should have asked me to give him his money. <coughs> he said, Go and give the man his money. It wasn't due the debt, of course. He came earlier to test the Prophet. ﷺ. So Umar went with Zayd ibn Su'ana to give him his money. <coughs> and on the way, Zayd asked Umar, he said, Didn't you recognize me? Didn't you know who I was? He said, No. He said, I'm Zayd ibn Su'ana. Umar said, The scholar of the Jews? He said, Yes, this is Zayd, the scholar of the Jews. And he said, Why did you do that to the Prophet? ﷺ? He said, I found in the Torah, in the Old Testament, that Allah mentioned this characteristic of the Prophet. <clears throat> and I wanted to test the messenger of Allah sallallahu And I hear, bear witness, and he pronounced the shahada. And of course, he became one of the very um, pious and religious companions of the Prophet sallallahu And he gave that loan as a charity for you know, the poor Muslims. So, that was very important, brothers. The Prophet ﷺ, he even was halim with the Jew. He could have said, this is an enemy of Allah. Just kill him right away. And you know, he got all the companions around him. But he was very patient. Because the man, he had the right to ask for his money. But he did not ask for it in the good way. So, he was ignorant. And he was Maybe sometimes you will be in a situation where some people might even exchange or say or use profane words or statements, then your position is to be halim. That's the position that we should take. But do we do that? This is the question. Can we really develop this kind of Characteristic. Can we, when it's time to do it, can we take that position? As a matter of fact, we can't even do it with the closest people to us. We can't even have hilm with our wives. We can't even, some people cannot have hilm with their own children. And the Prophet was halim with that Jew. And we cannot have hilm. So brothers, in order for us to attain and maintain and develop Good character, we must realize that it is mandatory on us to resemble the Prophet ﷺ in his character just like we have to resemble him in worship, in ibadah.
to encourage myself and all of you to have hilm, to be hulama, forbearings. The narration that the Prophet ﷺ told Al-Ashaj, one of the companions, that you have two characteristics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Al-hilmu wal-ana. Wa fi riwaya al-hilmu wal-tu'ada. Another narration, al-hilmu wal-haya. That you have two characteristics that Allah loves, which are al-hilm, the ability to control your anger when it's really time for you to be upset. That's hilm. In, in one of the narrations, it says al-haya, and we spoke about al-haya and at-tu'ada, to be patient. To be patient. That is the meaning of tu'ada, to, to, to show foresight. To be patient, that's tu'ada. These two characteristics Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So this is sufficient for us to be encouraged to develop. And good characteristics, brothers and sisters, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, is kind of thing that we can develop. Something that you can't gain. It is not something that you will be waited for, you know, uh, to be given to you. No, it's something that you have to... Uh, attain and, and work hard to get and this is the third way to attain and maintain and develop good characteristic is by practical uh, attitude or by, by practice التطبيق العملي we have in order for us to attain as the brothers suggested in the topic how to attain good character is by practice we know this is information so far for us and we have to turn it to knowledge and trans, transfer it to knowledge by practicing that. I'll give you two examples. Now we know that the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تغضب, Do not become upset. Don't get upset. And that was his characteristic ﷺ. He used to be halim, except when people transgress the limits of Allah. Now it's the opposite. When we see the limits of Allah being transgressed, we do not get upset. But if anything happens to us, we become very upset. We take it personally. If someone says anything harmful or anything that would make you upset, you get upset. You take it personally. You defend yourself. You stand up for, we stand up for ourselves, right? But when we see someone committing zina, we may, you know, we may, have lunch with him. Really, that doesn't bother us too much. When we know that someone drinks khamar, or sells khamar, we socialize with him. We might even allow our family to visit his family. And if, when we see someone is involved in riba and all forms of evil deeds, that really doesn't make us upset. But if he says anything bad about us, we might boycott him for a month or two. So now it's the opposite. We stand up for our own rights. We become upset if anything happens to us. But when we see the religion of Allah is not practiced or people uh, violate the regulations of the Quran, we do not get upset. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he said, لا تغضب, he used to become upset when people transgress the limits of Allah only. So that is the recommended ghadab. The recommended ghadab is whenever you see a sin, whenever you see someone disobeying Allah, you must be upset. But other than that, 
there is nothing worthy of making you upset as a believer. So how do we develop this thing? Is by practice. Try it. Practice it. If your wife says anything impolite or anything that makes you upset, try to control your anger. Try to maintain it. You will, inshallah, success. It is something that you have to develop. Try to smile. Try to leave the house. Try to uh, mention Allah's name. Try to uh, do anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِهِ أَحْسَنْ فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةً كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ Repel. Respond to those who do evil to you in the best manner. What would that do to them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةً That one of a sudden, your enemy, see the hostility now will turn into friendship. Your enemy will be as if he is your close friend, very dear friend to you. This is what Allah is telling us. We're talking now about enemies. If your enemy, someone who is evil like that Jew, the neighbor of the Prophet ﷺ, was his enemy. And the Prophet ﷺ used to be good to him. Later he became Muslim and his father recommended him to be a Muslim because that kind of treatment really influenced him. Didn't say, no, this man is a Jew or a Christian. There's no way for him to, to, there's no way for me to soften his heart or anything. No, this is what Allah is telling us. And he's talking about mankind. Repel in the best manners, in the best way. Deal with people. If they are harsh, if they are impolite, you should not respond in a similar way. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will transfer that, will change their hearts. Definitely, and they will be, they will change from being an enemy to even a very dear, close person to you. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. So let's develop this and practice it. You know, in our daily life, we come across stupid people sometimes, crazy, impolite. So it's a very big test for us as believers to try sincerely to implement this kind of khuluq, this kind of sifat. The other example that we should really try, which is the characteristic of karam, generosity. And unfortunately, we lack this kind of characteristic even in the Islamic countries, let alone the West, the materialistic world. Karam, what does karam mean? Karam doesn't necessarily mean you just give the needy or the poor. Karam, brothers, means that you give for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You be generous to your brothers. I'll give you some examples. Unfortunate examples. You find in, in the West in general, and now in most, of the, most part of the world, even in the Islamic countries, that two brothers, they know each other for a long time. Ten years maybe. 15 years. They, know, they knew each other in the masjid. They have very strong relationship. But neither one of them ever been to the house of the other. Never. None of them ever invited his brother to his house. The first advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to the companions when he entered Medina, the first speech he gave was, 
يا أيها الناس أفشوا السلام وأطعموا الطعام وصلوا بالليل والناس نيام تدخل الجنة بسلام O people أفشوا السلام Spread salam This is the greeting of the people of Jannah Eliminate the other forms of greetings from your life Good morning, good night, good afternoon Forget about these great greetings Use salam أفشوا السلام Spread it وأطعم الطعام أطعم الطعام here You know, it's very difficult to translate it Feed the food, meaning be generous In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said That even when you cook some soup Make sure that you cook more soup And remember your neighbors Even if your neighbor is a rich man And send him even if it's to be some soup. This can this is a, one of the characteristics of the Prophet. ﷺ. He encouraged the companions. That was one of the first commands in Medina. Upon his arrival to Medina, as the companion narrated, he said, and the first words that he said, Ya Ayuhannas, Afshu Salam, that was his advice. Wa ta'am, feed the need, feed your, you know each other, feed the food. You know, remember your brothers. And it used to be the habit in the Islamic countries, most of you know this, that people, whenever they cook something, they remember their neighbors, they send something as a sample. You know, just this is, you know, and this could be a very good mean of da'wah. If you imagine if when you send to, you know, your Christian neighbor some food, I don't know how it sounds or he might take it, but... Just to show that this is part of our character, this is part of our religion. The Prophet said, even if it's to be soup, just put more water and remember your guests, remember your uh, neighbors. And we're running out of time. Uh, we, we, I can go on and mention you know, to you examples of uh, different stories of, that show the generosity of the companions. But I want to elaborate on something very important. Do not think that this is something uh, special for the Arabs because they were known for it. No, this is one of the characteristics of believing men and women. The Hunafa, those who are on the aqidah of Tawheed, monotheism. Do you remember the story of Ibrahim? What happened when the angels came to him? He did not ask them like most of us do with their guests. Brother, do you like to eat? Do you like tea or coffee or are you okay? He, he went, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He did not even ask them. فَجَاءَ بِعِجْلٍ سَمِينَ He just left them. He received them. They entered. He left them. He didn't talk to them. Had he asked them, he would have known that they don't eat. Because they were angels, right? This is how we know. This is our evidence that he did not ask them. Because had he asked the angels if they would like to eat anything, we ask our guests, do you like to eat? He would have known that really they don't eat food. And he could have saved the, the cow that he slaughtered. And he went and he brought, not fast food or any snack, he brought something, Samin is very fat cow he slaughtered and cooked for them. And he is the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was serving his unknown guests to him. 
Never met him, never seen him before. They didn't have an appointment with him. They just came, knocked at his door. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa served them. So we have to develop this kind of character, brothers and sisters. We have to practice it right away. And um, alhamdulillah, all the speakers are invited tonight. So don't try with us, but try it with your brothers and neighbors. Try this, you know, invite them, feed the food. And give the best, you know, when you give out something, give things that you love. If you have a nice shirt that you really is very expensive and you like it, it's very special to you, you want to give it to your brother, don't give him the old one, give him the one that you like. So that's how you would gain righteousness. As Allah said, لَن تَنَالُوا Exactly. So we know the ayat, we know everything, but it's time to practice. هَتَفَ الْعِلْمُ بِالْعَمَلِ فَإِنْ أَجَابَهُ وَلَّا ارْتَحَلْ This is a very beautiful statement that knowledge always calls upon practice. Knowledge always calls upon practice. Like, you know, two people talking. The knowledge is saying, practice, come. If he doesn't respond, knowledge will leave him. If he does not respond to practice, if, if practice keeps ignoring knowledge, knowledge will leave one day. And the man will be the most ignorant person. To bring this uh, lecture to an end, I'd like to remind myself and all of you, brothers and sisters, that there are only two ways for giving da'wah. There is no third way. The first The first way is, of course, by knowledge. The best way to give da'wah is through knowledge. You study Islam. You know things that you're calling people to very well. If you're calling people to tawheed, then you must know their shubuhat about shirk and Jesus and the Trinity, etc. If you're calling people to pray, you must know the fiqh of salah and the importance of salah and the evidences of salah and the seriousness of those who do not pray. If you want to call people to wear hijab, you must know the evidence you have. When you call people, you must have knowledge. And I'm not saying you must have a degree or go study for six or eight years, but any specific issue that you're calling people to, you must know it very well. So the first way of giving da'wah is knowledge. The second way is, who can figure that out? Exactly, action. Action and good character. Good manners. By action. That's, and that, this is, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. Because da'wah is something very special. It's a gift from Allah. But not everyone is able to speak and study and teach. Right? So it's the mercy of Allah. So He won't deprive His servants of this great reward. He made another way. That is possible and doable for every Muslim and Muslimah. It's just to, you don't even have to uh, take a course in that. What you have to do is just be a good Muslim. That's all you need to do. What you need to do is just be a good Muslim. And wallahi, I feel sorry for the, for the disbelieving men and women because they are confused. They see a Muslim who prays and they see another Muslim who doesn't pray. They see a Muslimah who covers up and another Muslimah who is naked. 
And they see a Muslim who wears beard and the other one shaves. And they see Muslims who fast and they see some other Muslims who do not fast. So they're confused. And we now in the process of as-sadd an sabilillah. You know, there is calling people to Islam and stopping people, preventing people from entering Islam. By our actions, this is a serious thing to do. If you're not giving da'wah, then you might have an excuse. Well, I don't have knowledge. I don't know how to do it. You don't have to do it. It's not mandatory in you. But what is serious, and what is considered to be a major sin, is that you commit sad'a and sabilillah. You turn people away from the, the religion of Allah by your actions, by lacking the characteristics of Muslim. They see you lying, they see you... Uh, violate Islam, and they say, you know, Muslims are really confused. They have di- too many different inconsistencies in their lives, and they, you know, this and that. And especially, this is very important for those who live amongst the kuffar. It is very important, very important thing to observe. And I'm sure that those of you who were not Muslims before and became Muslims, they must have been influenced in a way or impacted in a way or another by some of the good characteristics of Islam and Muslims. So brothers, please observe this. This is very important. And also I would like to remind all of you and myself in the first place of the narration of the Prophet ﷺ in which he said, خيركم 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 The best amongst you are those who are the best to their families. And I am the best to my family. Wasallam. If you want to really find out if you forget about what people say. Because the Prophet told us that a day will come when people would say, well, this man, mashallah, is very polite, is very this and that. Praise him, but he doesn't have the smallest portion of faith in his heart. Okay? We find that sometimes people are very polite, very nice with others outside their home. When they go back home, they are very wild. So the best amongst you are those who are best to their families. And the Prophet ﷺ was the best to his family. And there, alhamdulillah, numerous stories. Uh, even when his wife ﷺ used to do things which were not acceptable, he used to be patient ﷺ and treat them in the best manners, in the best ways. And that's the way of the Prophet ﷺ. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Ismail al-Husna wa sifatihi al-Ula to make all of us amongst those when they listen to the words of Allah, the advice of Allah, they follow the best of it. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa Assalamu alaykum. Bizarkallah khairan li shaykh wajdir al-Khazawi. It's a very useful talk, a talk which I personally believe we should be hearing at least once a week anywhere we go. A talk which encompassed the properties of, or the characteristics of helm, forbearance, sabr, patience, all those characteristics which makes a Muslim a Muslim as opposed to the saying that we're Muslims. Um, there are some questions here which relate to what the Sheikh was already talking about in the sense that... Um, Many, well, we all have characteristics which we find hard to change. And another sheikh, sheikh, another sheikh um, his name was also Sheikh Wajdi, gave an example of this 
when he said there was a um, sister, and I personally have seen this amongst sisters as well, who didn't wear hijab. And he said to just put your hijab on. So she put it on, and she'd feel strained, but then she'd take it off again. And then she'd put it on, and she'd take it off again, she'd put it on, and she just, she just kept on doing this and doing this and doing this. Until now, that same sister, if you met her, if you asked her to take her hijab off, she would never do it. So this is what the Shaykh was saying in terms of practice. Sometimes even your heart doesn't necessarily want to do it, but you, for the sake of Allah, do it with your hands. Your hands teach your heart. Yeah, so this is what, this is an example of how things which are hard for us, characteristics which we find, we all have them. That if we just practice, as the Shaykh was saying, you know, for the sake of Allah, to resist that anger, for example, or to put the hijab on, for example, Allah will help us. Okay. Um, so that, inshallah, should help answer some of the questions. Um, first question. Yeah, sure. Bismillah. I think this is from a sister. When you're seeking to marry, how can you tell if a brother has good character? What points do we need to ask about and look out for? Yeah, good question. You ask, of course... Uh, his friends, just like Fatima did, she went to the man, to the Prophet ﷺ, who knew both of them. Uh, so, the, the best way to do it is just follow Fatima anha and go to those who know the man. Uh, go to his friends, go to the Imam, find out first about his religion. Alright, see if he's a good Muslim, if he's going to help you to be a better Muslimah. And then the best way to find out about his characteristics is by asking those who know him, who know him, those who have socialized with him, his neighbors. Very simple. Okay, Jazakallah khairan. Second question is, Bismillah. Often we find uh, that uh, we become angry when, or annoyed when someone does something to upset us. And even though we try to stop that, in the end, we still, we, you know, we try and stop this anger at least. So, so we present a nice face to the person, but we still have feelings of resentment in our hearts. So will that diminish our reward? Before I answer the question, uh, I forgot, or I f because, you know, we didn't have time to mention two solutions for anger. How do you, you know, how do you control it? How do you distinguish that anger? Because it's like fire. It needs to be distinguished. The Prophet ﷺ advises us of two ways. Two ways to do so. Muawiyah was given a khutbah. And one of the people who were sitting in the masjid, he stood up and he made Muawiyah very upset. He also mentioned Muawiyah's mother. You know, so he made him very upset. Muawiyah, you know, was the Khalifa. And the soldiers were there. And, you know, his police was there. And he got very upset from the man. So he left the member. And the people got very scared. They became very scared. They said, what is he going to do? He left the member. And he disappeared. And he came back after two, three minutes maybe. And his beard were full of water, drops of water coming out of his beard. So he said, I heard the Prophet ﷺ saying that anger is from shaitan. 
is like fire. So if you get angry, then make wudu. So he said, and that man made me very upset. And I went, he immediately implemented the hadith of the Prophet So one of the ways to do it is just make wudu immediately. And you will see the impact of this instruction of the Prophet It's just like fire. Put water, it will, you will distinguish that fire. Make wudu. If you're in the middle of a fight or middle of a, an argument, just go ahead and make wudu. Or ch- change your position. If you're standing, the Prophet said, sit down. And if you're sitting down, lay down. Inshallah, it will have an immediate effect and it will help you to, uh, uh, you know, distinguish your anger. The second way is, anger is from shaitan. The Prophet saw a man arguing with another and he was very upset. His first, his face turns, turned red. So the Prophet said, إِنِّي لَأَعْلَمُ كَلِمَةً لَوْ قَالَهَا لَأَذْهَبَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مَا فِيهِ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِمَّا يَنْزَغَنَّكَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ نَزْغٌ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ That's the, the way to do it. Is that if someone is very upset, very angry, you just say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And inshallah it will work. And of course, you know, it takes time. It's not easy. You know, I used to get upset very quickly. Wallahi, you know, I, I tried, I did my best, I used all this, alhamdulillah, worked. Now, you know, we're trying to develop help, which is now you have to stop getting upset very quickly, and then after that you go to the stage of help, which is when it's time for you to be upset, you don't become upset. So, yes, it's difficult. Sometimes we upset in our hearts, but it will take time. The first step is do not take an action. Do not do something that you will regret later. And then later, inshallah, you know, you will reach helm and develop this characteristic. Okay, jazakallah khairan. About five minutes? Yeah, well, ten is twelve. Okay. okay. Um, question here. Is it good manners to reserve seats for family members when other Muslim sisters are standing in lecture halls? Doesn't this indicate disunity or lack of love? I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. Is it good manners to reserve seats for family members when other Muslim sisters are standing in lecture halls? Doesn't this behavior indicate disunity and a lack of love for each other? Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, we can't reserve seats for others really if they... Uh, care and we assume inshallah they care but maybe they have to take care of other things but those who come first they deserve to be uh, seated in the you know uh, vacant seats I would say the Prophet said uh, about Mina it's Munahum and Sabak Mina it's for whoever gets there first you know even in Mina you can't reserve a place for someone to you know who is sleeping and someone is uh, anxious and ready to make Hajj wakes up after Fajr trying to go and please Allah and someone wants to uh, do it whenever he feels like doing it then you reserve a place for him no it is for, for those who gets there first and always the Prophet Sallallahu uh, teaches us to compete in things that would bring us closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in you know the you know the narration about the first rows and how we should do in order to get in the first row you know, so I believe that they should not reserve seats, and uh, it's definitely not a good uh, manner. Yeah. Um, the next question is, 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. If your husband or wife does not show good characteristics as he has described, um, can these be grounds for divorce? <laughs> Slightly extreme. <laughs> Then she would go and say, well, the sheikh said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on tape, too. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So I are. answered, I think. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, this is a very ambiguous question. You know, maybe she's the one who really lacking uh, good character. You know, and uh, if it gets that serious, yes, it is a ground for asking for divorce. If it gets that serious, if the man is impossible to socialize with or to live with, and even though he's very religious, yes, that's uh, a good reason, you know. But I'm not answering that specific sister, but generally speaking, it is a good reason. Okay. And should be considered. <laughs> Bismillah. to be a couple of related questions about our relationship with parents. I'll read one of them. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I do realize the importance of good character. And they go on to say, unfortunately, many good character traits are not of my own general character. I'd say that's the same for all of us. It says, what do you suggest for the, uh, for the treatment of arguing with parents, especially as this is particularly hard to change because it's a, it's a two-way thing, the parents argue back. And it's one of the other questions to say, sometimes they're even looking to argue with you. So how do you deal with this? Yeah, I refer the sister, uh, because of the time, to Surah Al-Isra, you know, that and to the other ayah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it very clear. That if they struggle to call you to commit kufr, disbelief, what should you do? Argue with them? No, he did not say argue with them. He said do not obey them. He didn't even say disobey them. He didn't say i'sihima. It's a big difference in Arabic. Very comprehensive language. He did not say disobey them if they call you to kufr. He said do not obey them. This is more polite. Just do not listen to their call. Do not respond to their call. وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفَ Keep good company with them. Be a good son with them. That's if they are calling you to kufr. And I don't think that it... Anywhere in the world, in any Muslim family, there would be parents who would be calling you day and night. Mujahada. It's not just one call. They mujahada. They're on you, after you, calling you to kufr. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to do. So we have to uh, observe this kind of uh, behavior, especially with our parents. Jazakallah khair. May I suggest before I ask the next question that when we're looking, um, I see some frustration in this letter, and I understand. Um, before we look to others in terms of their characteristics and their weaknesses, we look inside ourselves. Because sometimes when we do that, we find that you know, we need to um, sort our own problems out as well as look into others. Because sometimes we're always quick to see the faults in others and not in ourselves. So let's try to remember that. Um, to paraphrase this letter, it's basically saying that when we look at some Muslim communities, and I won't mention which ones here, they, the person is obviously frustrated, but sometimes they see um, certain characteristics from maybe the times of Jahiliya, and it says, what do you think it will take for these people, or well, all of us in general, to change? Because it says here, mere speech is not enough. What, how long would it take, or what it takes? Well, it says, you know, what does, basically they're saying that speech I, is I not mentioned, uh, so, yes, of course, definitely, it's not enough. That's why 
we discussed later the and we uh, uh, elaborated on the importance of realizing that the reality of faith is actions, you know, beside sayings and, and you know, belief in the heart. It's, it's very important. And, uh, yeah. Okay. That's a good statement. Uh, here the brother is encouraging me to encourage all of you to donate for the needy and especially the sisters. And yes, indeed, the Prophet ﷺ used to advise the sisters to uh, give sadaqah for the sake of Allah because that would save them and all of us from the fire. Okay. Um, if a member of, a fa- of your family is um, committing uh, various acts or drinking, should you berate them or should you persevere with them in your da- with your da'wah? Well, brothers, I said we must uh, develop this khuluq, which is al-ghadab, idhan tuhikat hurumati Allahi azza wa is to get angry for the sake of Allah. When you see Muslims, when you see the servants of Allah disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and violate the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, of course, we have to be, uh, show some foresight and some wisdom when we deal with these violations. You know, we have to uh, sometimes realize that the person who's committing that evil sin is either ignorant or doesn't know or surrounded by evil company. So we try to work on him and be gentle with him. And that does not contradict with being upset and angry for the sake of Allah. But we should not deal with it if it's something normal. You know, like the children of Israel used to, you know, uh, even the pious ones used to sit with those uh, who do all evil, all forms of evil, but never enjoy the good uh, or forbidden the evil. And let me uh, mention a very important narration, maybe... Uh, it's very relative to the earthquake that hit Turkey. Do you think that all those people who were killed in that clear, obvious punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do you think there were no pious religious people in Turkey? Of course, they must be everywhere. Right? But as you know, Asma said, Would Allah destroy us, punish us? And righteous people living amongst us, he said, what did he say? Naam, إِذَا كَثُرَ الْخَبَثِ Yes, when evil spreads widely, yes, Allah would punish even the good ones. And there was no country in the history of mankind that chose or showed disbelief like Turkey. They fought Quran, they fought hijab. They prohibited hijab, they prohibited Quran, they eliminated the Arabic language, they spread uh, pornography and all forms of per- sexual perversion, etc. So that was the punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to observe this, that if we do not get upset for the sake of Allah, if we do not get upset when we see the limits of Allah being transgressed by people, we are subject to punishment. Allah knows best. Um, there are many more questions here which will be given to the Sheikh afterwards, inshallah, and, and some will find a way to respond to some of them. Um, okay. Um, now this is going to be a hand you over to Brother Abu Muntazir for an announcement. <laughs> 